Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. Uh, it's myself, Greg O'Keefe, Phil Kirkbride and Gavin Buckland. Um, and another win at Goodison Park to discuss. They just keep coming, don't they, lads? It's, uh, it's a really pleasing and familiar routine at the moment. Gav, you must be in your element because the stats are falling like rain, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, which is always a good thing. When when they're winning, you know, you, you job as a statistician's far easier. It was like eight league wins on the spin for the first time since 1990. Then Crom, 25 goals consecutive seasons, not done since um, Bob Latford in the 70s. Uh, Leighton Baines reaching 50 assists, the first Premier League player to do so. Rom becoming the first player since Dixie Dean to score in, I think it's at nine consecutive home games now. Yeah, so it's always, always far easier when those type of things happen. And Rom's form in particular, I mean, I don't even think he was that good on Saturday for large parts of it. But then as soon as he got a chance, well, well he got a chance first half, but he, he kindly backpassed to Tom Heaton, didn't he, Phil? Mm. But then, you know, when an opportunity did arise, um, he didn't make any mistake again, did he? No, he'd had a, he'd had a fairly quiet game, really. He'd, he'd found Burnley particularly stubborn and, and, and Ben Mee and, and, and Michael Keane, a real kind of uh, frustrating partnership in that respect for him. Uh, or shots blocked, you know. He didn't really have a sniff other than that first that first half chance that you'd mentioned in a header from a Leighton Baines cross. Um, but that, that one chance, and I guess that's a, a sort of enduring sign of, of, of a quality player is that, you know, you give him that half yard and certainly in the case of, of Michael Keane, he'd allowed himself... You know, not the first, and it won't be the last to be sort of pinned up against Rom, and Rom had it on his own terms, and and and, and he and he absolutely capitalised and, and punished him clinically for it, didn't he? So, um, you look, he's not going to be, he's not going to be ten out of ten every week, is he? But if he's if he's still in a position where he's offering that threat every week, which by and large he does, the, the Derby side, of course, um, then that's great to see because it it, it you know. At two one, we were in a very strong position, obviously. But three one, three minutes later, just extinguished any any lingering hope that Burnley would uh, would find a way back. Yeah, Gav, what did you make of Michael Keane? Phil mentioned him there. Personally, I was impressed. Uh, what did you make of his performance? I was impressed as well. Um, you know, he's he's, he's a big lad, isn't he? Um, but yeah, he's massive. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, good foot for the big man there, but you can't say <laughs> that these days, can you? No, I was, I was impressed. I thought he uh, got around the pitch well. He's mobile. He, he's um, he's strong. He posed a goal. So that's he. You know, we, we talk about rocks on Saturday about his or goal or contributions of the goal, but more more valuable was probably his two clearances off the line. <laughs> and what I think one of them was off Keane in the first half. So yeah, I thought he was very. I was very impressed with him. Yeah, he, he certainly does. You could see why um, Steve Walsh and Ronald Koeman, hopefully. Uh, are making him one of their main targets. I did, did think Ben Mee did well as well, actually, for me. I know he's probably not one not one for us, but mm-hmm. uh, I think he's maybe the underrated part of that duo, although Keane obviously carries all the uh, you know, all the credit, largely credit, and he's the physical commanding presence. He wins your headers in both boxes, doesn't he? But, yeah, Keane's definitely the more advanced of the two. Um, yeah. But but Mee looks like he's got potential to be a good defender, you know, and I know it sounds, it sounds a bit stupid and a bit obvious, but Sean Dyche ain't signing... Ben Mee, if he doesn't think he's going to do a job in the Premier League, because you know Sean Dyche is working under uh, and with a, a very, very limited budget, and I think he, you know, 
think he deserves a lot of credit, Sean Dyche, for the way that he set Burnley up and continues to set Burnley up in most games I've seen this season. And, and even Ronald admitted, didn't he, for, for the first 30 minutes, if, if not longer, I would maybe argue, they were clearly the better team at Goodison and, yeah. and should have been ahead, but, yeah. uh, but some rather inept and woeful finishing from Mr Vokes. They should have been, yeah. shouldn't they? Yeah. Gav, it was a bit of a weird off day for Morgan Schneider and he was like, you know, dropped from his 8 out of 10 to maybe... A touch below that, didn't he? I, I yeah. don't know. It was just um, a performance that we haven't seen from him before, and hopefully won't again. Well, I think I think that goes back to Phil's points. I think I think Burnley plays really well. I think for for the first, first I think thirty five minutes in the last ten minutes of the first half, we sort of show, started showing our teeth, and I thought they pressurised our midfield. You know, in, yeah. in a sort of area, say ten yards either side of the halfway line, I thought they pressurised us really well, and I think Snyder and sort of got caught up in that. And uh, yeah, but I mean, I think that was the that was the good thing about Saturday for me. I mean, just spoke about well, Bernie played certainly for for the first half and and for the spell in the second half. But we're finding ways to win games now, aren't we? Mm. We're not necessarily playing well, yeah. Uh, yeah. especially at home. Uh, and we we a bit like Hull, where we ran out four 0 winners. We we ran out three one winners on on Saturday, and maybe that wasn't necessarily a total reflection of the, the whole ninety minutes. And that was the comforting thing for me is that we won with several players. You mentioned Ron, I think Kevin Morales as well probably comes into that. Who had off days as well as well as Morgan. Mm. Yeah, someone who, who, in his limited time on the pitch, certainly didn't have an off day, was one that you and Phil, I believe, were talking about yesterday again. Enna Valencia, Gav, he was a bit of a laughing stock. Is overstating that's a bit harsh, but he was certainly someone who caused Neary a raised eyebrow and shook of the shoulders when he arrived in the summer last last minute. Um, and in his first phase of his Goodison tenure, didn't do much to make anyone think that they should get react otherwise, really. But lately, he's really coming to his own, and when he does come on the pitch, Gav, he offers something every time, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I was saying to Phil, I think it's like this this year, 2017, he's been on the pitch 100 minutes at Goodison, the Premier League, and he scored, he scored 10 goals in that time. <laughs> Which is a goal every ten minutes. Which yeah, I know you can always say there's a couple of dead goals at the end of games, but that just shows you the influence he's had. And in many respects, the current run and sort of like I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily call it a turning point under Cummins' reign was the uh, second half against Southampton. You know, at the start of the yeah. year, yeah, um, where we struggled in the first half, and then I think he come on for about the last maybe thirty minutes, twenty minutes in that game. I think he scored himself, and then. Yeah. The, 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 the teams seem to click into another gear that they've not really shown in in the season uh, to that point. And we've sort of kept in that gear and sort of gone up uh, another level since then. And I think he, this current run of form, you've really got to give him, uh, Valencia, a little bit of credit for. Um, but not only for the Southampton game, but one or two other games, like on Saturday, where he's come on and he has made a difference. And I think, um, you know, Cummins Inse is going to be bulging and a mile high, I think, on the, uh, over the summer. And one of the decisions he's got to take is knows whether to 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 whether uh, Valencia signs as as a permanent uh, permanent deal. I think I think Valencia on deadline day was was unfortunately and unfairly, but I can understand why he was uh, a victim of of Evertonian's expectations because when we got into the summer, we didn't think that the the sec- the second striker signing or the or the uh, the addition to our front line will be a loan of Enna Valencia from from West Ham, um, so I think he was immediately um, 
fighting a, a battle, wasn't he, to, to sort of, you know, to try and turn the tide of expectation. But, you know, I maintained from, from quite early on, look, in, in terms of a footballer, he's got a limitation. But in terms of making an impact, certainly off the bench, I don't think that's been in ever in any doubt. And, and I, I, you know, I think the stat, I'm, I'm pleased that those stats that you, you've just given us there, Gav, kind of highlight that and, and emphasise kind of what an impact he's had because for for everything, you know, and all, you could talk about tactics and, and skill and people with, with bundles of ability. You can't deny that football, when things aren't going well and you need a kick up the backside, Enna Valencia is the sort of player that will provide that for a team because he runs his socks off, he runs in behind defenders, Defenders don't like pace. He's got it and he's direct and he makes stuff happen. Is he the long-term answer for Everton's top four ambitions? No. But as I wrote in a piece a couple of weeks ago, would I have him in my squad next season? Yes. Obviously with the asterisks. Scroll down to the bottom of the page if the price is right. Obviously when he signed, there was talk of £14.5 million. That's ridiculous. But if Everton are thinking, well... We would like to keep hold of him as an option, and they want to go to the negotiating table for West to, with West Ham. I would, uh, I would welcome that because I think he's been nothing but positive, and you know, certainly off the bench is an option because we've how long have we cried? We don't have strength in depth up front. We've got an emerging Dominic Calvert Lewin. We've got Rom. Hopefully, who will be around next season. Hopefully, there's going to be an addition. But I think if you add Valencia into that mix and you have four, you know, strikers in your squad. Then I think that's really, really healthy. Yeah, I mean, for me, he's got that Premier League experience, hasn't he? So you can't really sniff at that too much. I wouldn't be devastated if if he was allowed to go back to West Ham if they could bring in uh, a player slightly better. If that makes sense, I think what he emphasises is what much, how much an impact a Gabbiadini or a similar player of of, of Valencia's ilk um, would have or it can have on our forward line. That strength and depth that you say. Now, if for whatever reason uh, they can't get much better as an option than Valencia, then yet by all means go and thrash out the deal with West Ham. Well, obviously, we still need another forward player as well, even if we keep Rom. But um, it just, I mean, Gabbiadini is one of those. He's not, not been in recently, has he? Because he was injured. And um, for me, easy to say in hindsight, I was a little bit kind of underwhelmed at the time, so I can't be a hypocrite and claim. That I, I thought he'd have this impact in the Premier League, mm. but it just does show you that um, Everton's forward line, when there's options, and I, I turn my head out with Kevin Morales these days, or I really am as an option because you'll get two good performances and then you'll get a Saturday from him. So I, I don't count him in this this equation for now. If you can have, as you say, one plus Valencia slash someone maybe a little bit better then it's going to put us in a strong position next season. Well, Gav, I don't know what you think on this, mate, because I think what Valencia offers in terms of pace, runs in behind, etc., he offers variety. And in fact, you know, if you go back to what Southampton had under Koeman, they had two big fellas, they had Pella and Austin. They also yeah. had two quick fellas. Well, they, well, they, had, they had Shane Long, who yeah. wouldn't guarantee to start every week. And I see Shane Long as Valencia as Everton's Shane Long in that respect. Okay. And then they would have like Tadic on one side, you know, and they would have other players more skillful players so I think if you look at if you say hypothetically we start next season with Rom yeah. Calvert-Lewin and another maybe that's a Sigurdsson perhaps you know somebody who drop in play between the lines can play a number of positions and then you've got a Valencia quick I think that you've got option and variety and that's and I, you know I think that would be 
sort of, in theory at least, uh, healthy? What, what would you say, Gav? Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Uh, maybe maybe one more even. I mean, yeah. it depends who's leaving and stuff and, you know, just be happy to have Rom. I think, I think what I like about Valencia, speaking of Rom, is I think he, he, has, a, he has a habit of uh, bringing Rom alive, doesn't mm, he? Yeah. I think maybe because it gives Rom a little bit more space and people are focused on other players. But, I mean, Saturday was typical where, and I'm not, I'm not for the first time this season, as I say, where Rom's sort of been going through the motions and having one of them days, and all of a sudden Valencia's come on the pitch. And he, he's come alive. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the only thing he did wrong, probably Valencia on Saturdays at the end, was, was sort of, he should, he should have shot, shouldn't he, rather yeah. than pass to Rom when it was, was 3-1. Um, but in, in the second half, I thought he was I thought he was excellent. And the only thing, I, as we've said all along on this, is what the fee, will, fee would be for him. And also as well, I mean, I don't want to start to prejudging things, but what, what the management situation is at West Ham during the summer. Yeah, true. Uh, that might that might come into play if if you know if some of the stories are true about maybe there'll be a change there. A new manager might just want to sort of as new managers do, you know, sort of offload a few players that they've inherited, and and um, if you've been on loan for a year, you perhaps won't be top of the the sort of wish list for a new manager to have. Uh, you know, obviously not want want to wish anybody to lose the job, but that might be sort of might come into the uh, the fee at some point. Although equally, a new manager might actually look at Valencia and go, oh, well, "Look at the impact he's had at Everton. I want to give him a chance." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that as I say, may not necessarily be a positive thing for us. So it'll be just be interesting to see how that plays into it. Um, and it was, it was strange, wasn't it? There was a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of interesting performances on Saturday. I mean, dare I say, the one that we <laughs> is, is becoming a regular. Conversation piece on the podcast now is is Joel, isn't it? Mm, unfortunately, it is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he look, he made a, a decent save. I saw a few people calling it like a great save to deny Sam Vokes um, when Jags had got you know got back and did well to stay him away from goal. I think it was just a decent save. I You'd just expect he, him to make just that got save. his body in the way. Um, he dropped a couple of high balls or didn't look particularly. Um, imposing under a couple of lofted high balls and the penalty was um, inexcusable and even Koeman I noticed didn't uh, didn't mince his words he called it well, stupid straight well, out unprompted well, well funny enough when I caught it on Match of the Day last, on Saturday night even the BBC Match of the Day commented this is the BBC straight down the line with everything he immediately called him stupid as well <laughs> you, you're watching it back Gavin you, you're looking at him thinking you know the player's going away from goal yeah. What, what are you doing it, it's just a classic rush of blood to the head where it is inexplicable from an experienced goalkeeper what he thought he was going to be able to achieve in that situation stay yeah, on your line I mean, stay I, on your line yeah I, I mean I've still not forgiven uh, Tim Allen for taking the kite out in the comments six years ago yeah. I mean to be honest with you I said it in the first half I think any any player who's running away from goal I think whether you're a forward you know forward defence if you, if you foul them even if you're not a goalkeeper I think that should be a book on the fence anyway you know <laughs> yeah. I can never understand where, where you know when it happens just full stop um, but the post no threat you take, you take him down from behind and to do it in the own area you know at a crucial point in the game really because it was still up for grabs wasn't it the game at the time I think that's where Cameron's frustration probably come from is they played okay, we got a lead, and all of a sudden, two minutes later, we've, we've given them a, you know, a, a lifeline. And unfortunately, that's what is that two or three games on the spin now where Joel is being a bit, yeah, a bit shaky and giving the goal away, or certainly 
question marks over him, which is the wrong time of the season and it's Goodison clear to start, you know, uh, making mistakes, isn't it, really? And it goes back to whether does it just reopen Greg the the, the new keeper in the summer? I think uh, so. I think it does. So what 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 I didn't sorry to interject there, what, what I just didn't get about Robles' decision was it wasn't as if that was um a speedster like a Mane or a or a hazard or somebody who's chasing that ball into the box and who can turn really quickly and, and, and create yeah. a goal scoring opportunity in the flash of an eye. Sam Vokes, he's got the turning speed of a cruise liner, you know. He, he, he's running away from goal, he's gonna to have to control it. The Everton's defence would have got back. Oh, this, yeah. I just and I don't know whether it's it's Robles feeling he had to come out and and and, and do something. Was he bored? I don't know. You know, he, you, you just wonder about you know. I'm not questioning his ability as a coach, but the um, is it Lovenkrantz? No, Patrick Ludovic. Ludovic, sorry, the uh, the goalkeeping coach, who surely when he's analysing Robles' performances week in week out, he's noted the trend that we've seen of him to come wildly off his line in opportune moments and especially on the derby um, and again you know with with the penalty it's decision making um, whether or not there's not much you can do about that you know in Lodovic's defence yeah. maybe you can tell someone you could lead the horse to water but either way uh, I think you're I right mean, Gav I think uh, you know Everton one of the priorities alongside Michael Keane and, and uh, Sigurdsson has got to be a, a long term first choice and Joel is a an able deputy at best. I mean, in just quickly, in in sort of, in the interest of balance, um, Robles isn't the only Everton goalkeeper that's stupidly come off his line this season. Do you all remember Manchester United at home and Stecklenburg? Uh, yeah. So yeah. you know, yeah. you know, it, it, but obviously there's been a couple of really high profile ones from Joel um, recently, and I mean, obviously the the goalkeeper that we believe that is being discussed quite strongly is Sunderland's Jordan Pickford, and we've written that quite a while ago and believe that's still to be the case. So that's an interesting one for me because Jordan, uh, nominated for the PFA Young Player of the Year, you know, I think he's been called into England squads, played for under-21s regularly. Clearly a lot of talent, has obviously been a very busy goalkeeper this season with Sunderland. But my, you know, look, the reservation, if there's a reservation, because clearly this lad's got a huge amount of potential, are we, is that what we need? Are we, you know, are we in a position where we can bring in a young keeper for a lot of money and it's that gap, isn't it? It's almost that gap in experience and consistency that would worry me. Maybe Jordan, maybe they've seen enough. They, you know, they've seen Jordan more than I have. And they'll maybe look at him and go, actually, no, he's ready now. He's played a full season. It'll be a full season in the Premier League, maybe a little bit longer. He's ready to perform consistently for Everton Football Club and be in a part of a team that's challenging for the top four. But, you know, you do look at it and think, well, that would be a concern. He's still he's still learning his trade, even yeah. though he's obviously an excellent young goalkeeper. You do you do have that natural pause for thought of young goalkeepers, don't you? And I suppose, and I'm not lumping him in in this class, but not yet anyway. But you look at like David de Gea and think, you know, he's and even Courtois really. They're not they're not kind of thirty odd, are they? Like you, you're atypical. What you imagine as someone who you want to sign as a goalkeeper. It's just sort of 28, 29, 30, 31, that sort of age bracket. A little bit, Gav, outside of that golden bracket that, that we yeah. discussed. Maybe the top end of that. And Pickford certainly is uh, is right at the other end of it. But um, And, you know, De Gea had a season where, but I, I think that was more, more than anything coming into England, wasn't it, physically? As you say, with Pickford, he's had a season of being very, very busy. Mm. 
I don't know. Do they maybe let him go and do another season in the championship? Or is that too risky? Is it? You know, I don't know if you keep. That's the problem, isn't it? You you risk not getting him. Yeah. I think Everton. You know, in in Everton's sort of defence, if you like, is maybe not the right word, but in terms of you un- try to understand why they would go for Pickford now next season. They probably maybe wouldn't be in, maybe necessarily in the mix for him because, or if they think if we let this opportunity go now, we won't get another bite of the cherry because somebody will take the chance on him. Yeah, I mean I think it all depends what alternatives there are, doesn't it? Really, and and we don't know. I mean, I think when we we've spoken about this subject in the past, we tend to look at people as just available in like sort of the Premier League, haven't we? Mm. And maybe so Championship. Um, but actually, you know. The, the scouting network is such now is that you've got to be, you know you don't want players are being looked looked at abroad do you yeah. really yeah you know and there are some you know top keepers on the continent as we know especially in Germany so that, you know I don't think we should restrict ourselves here to, to looking at like talent in, in the Premier League so it, it, it's an interesting one I, I'm I'm with with Greg on this that actually I think it's too too risky a position to buy to buy a, a big fee for for potential. I bet he has shown that he's got something about him. I think this is the one area that pitch at the moment going forward. If we're looking at like the next two years as being crucial, where we want to race and certainty right. between the sticks. Like an Nigel Martin or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Nigel Martin, the 50, will probably still do a decent job for him. <laughs> well, does, does, that, does that therefore bring the conversation back to the, the, the goalkeeper that I think we'd all kind of hope may have been on the, on the wish list for the summer, which is Fraser Forster? Now, Looking from the outside, and very much is from the outside. It doesn't seem to have had quite as imperious a season as he as he had previously. But is that the sort of player, Gav, you would be more comfortable with? Everything? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, even somebody like Begovic would be. Uh, okay. You know, some somebody that ill that, you know, they, they may not potentially be a ten on ten goalie. Yeah. Like say a Pickford could be, where you'd like he say six on ten at the moment, but he could be a ten on ten mm. if he really, you know, if he really kicks on. But actually, you know who's going to do like an eight on ten job for you yeah. over two or three years, and I think some of you know, and you always feel uncomfortable talking about other clubs' players. Well, sometimes you've got no choice. I always thought that Begovic's choice to go to Chelsea was a strange one. Yeah. In that, I think he does like sort of um, raise his profile, and I think he wants like a future in the game, doesn't he? Mm. And I think sort of being a Chelsea reserve, I'll be getting some big games is sort of a strange one. And it, I'm not saying in particular, but that level and that that experience that he's got is the type of thing that we should be looking for. Jack Butland as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think they are out there, but I don't think we should necessarily just re, uh, reduce it down to, to Premier League. Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, Gav Germany. I'm I'm no Bundesliga expert, but you know, and Liverpool's uh, delving into that market has uh, proved kind of. Maybe hit and miss to be polite with Carius. Um, you know, again, he's a young goalkeeper, isn't he? Maybe he's got the potential to be a, you know, a nine or a ten out of ten. I don't, I don't know. Nor do I particularly care. But it, yeah, I think age is important, Gav, because I think what what we're, what would beat him down the bush of it a little bit is it's almost a short termism. But let's let's be honest, it's just the reality of it under Cumin. We can't really afford to think that he's going to build for. A, a Wenger-esque reign you know maybe mm. he'll stay around another two or three seasons so maybe he himself would be obviously Pickford is on the radar film we do we do understand that's very much the case but 
Perhaps he'd buy, buy two, I don't know. Is, is Steck yeah. totally out the equation? No, I don't think so, because Ronald wants three goalkeepers. That's what he likes, like three goalkeepers. I mean, I was, I was just thinking then while you while you were speaking, if you were to say now, right, we start next season with Stecklenburg, Robles and Pickford, who starts? Who's the better goalkeeper now? There's, there's an argument to say that Pickford's better anyway, isn't there? Yeah. There's an argument to say that he improves us now, so why not, why not sign him? If he's better than Robles... Well, we've been doing all right with Rob Lazing goal, haven't we? Yeah, well, yeah, we have, yeah. I think, again, yeah. But, yes. but it's, 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 it's probably the most crucial position on the yeah. pitch. Uh, no, no team was ever successful without having somebody decent between the sticks. And no. we have got ourselves into a, a position where actually, you know, if you look at the last three or four games and the key points this season, that's been a bit of a hindrance to us. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, one thing as well that you know the weekend has, has perhaps given us is that renewed glimmer. Um, certainly, if you're looking at it from a glass half full, that renewed glimmer of hope that Everton can can sign a finish above the seventh place. That you know, even on this podcast, we've often felt is is to be our destiny. Um, I think Phil, if I asked Phil, would say he probably believes it still will be. Uh, and obviously, the results didn't go our way. Quite surprisingly, yes, they were with Chelsea losing at Old Trafford. But Gav, what do you make of the weekend's results and how, how they've affected us? Um, well, obviously, us winning is, 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 a, is a big one. Um, and it, it was a crucial win, wasn't it, on Saturday, I think? Well, was, yeah. And, uh, uh, but, you know, with a stalemate at half-time, you're thinking, for the rest of the season, this is a big half in terms of keeping it interesting. So we, we managed to win, which was good. Um, yeah, I think... I think it's just looking like Arsenal now is probably the vulnerable team, doesn't it, really? Yeah. I think Man United's winning yesterday. Um, I think Arsenal is is, um, is is the vulnerable team. Um, it was interesting to see one of the uh, Premier League's broadcast partners, shall we say, saying yesterday that he thought that Chelsea's game of Man United was their last big test of the year. Uh, of the season. Come on, Gav, it was Sky. Let's, let's, bring, yeah. let's, let's, name, well, you know, let's, let's like, shame them. Know, Statistically, there's only there's only Barcelona who scored more home goals than us in 2017. So Correct. statistically, Everton away at the moment is probably one of the toughest fixtures in Europe. Yeah. Never mind the Premier League. Exactly. And, and I just thought, and I, I, something similar said on Matter of the Day too last night, I think. Um, and I, and it just shows you sometimes that you know you've got to fight, haven't you, to be in that top six, seven, mm. um, uh, a bit more if if you're us and. and but going back to the point, I still think it's on. I mean, if I, it's Arsenal's form, isn't it? And that game down at the uh, the Emirates in 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 May, yeah, is looking more and more crucial now, isn't it? Because I think Arsenal have they still got to play Spurs, have they? Yeah, they still got North London derby. Yeah, um, obviously, you say that about us going to Emirates, but that would take a, a massive upset in terms of our our win potential down there mm. over the last what? How many years? It have ten years or so. Oh, it's, it's uh, I think it's nineteen ninety six, isn't it? Oh, much longer than ten years. I don't know, I, I don't yeah, know. yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, and it is it is um, it is it is one of them games that you know we spoke about Old Trafford is it's what we could really you know because they really send a, a great signal out by winning down there. I don't know if it's what happens to you now and then, but if you won down there and then sixth, mm. that and the Chelsea game at home is going to be like massive now, especially with them getting beat yesterday. There's going to be a load of pressure on them coming to Goodison now yeah. um, and those two games if we can get you know there's, there's actually no reason at all why we can't win both their matches because Chelsea don't like playing at Goodison anyway over the last few years Yeah. and 
they'll be coming up there under pressure. They know, you know what the atmosphere is going to be like. Uh, and if he can, if he can get something, if, you know, get wins out of those two games, then sixth all of a sudden becomes pretty much a, uh, you know, I wouldn't say a certainty, but it becomes a 50-50, a uh, 50-50 show, doesn't yeah. it, really? I mean, this, this, you know, try to think logically as you, as you can in trying to predict results and stuff, but, you know, you would look at what we've got in terms of West Ham away, Saturday, well, West Ham probably safe, they're not going to get dragged in, you wouldn't have thought. You know, that's an away game where our away, away form hasn't been, you know, great as it this season, really. It doesn't, obviously comes nowhere near our home form. That's, that's a game that you would be, feel hopeful of winning. The tricky one for me in that run, aside from obviously Chelsea at home and Arsenal away, is going to Swansea in early May. You know, I think if we if we lose that game, you know, because they're going to be scrapping, I think that would probably determine that we won't finish sixth, sixth if you know what I mean. I mm. think that will be the one for me. Will still give us with hope going into the final game of the season, but we'll, we'll yeah. see. And you've got it as well. As much as Arsenal are really, the wheels are coming off at the moment in, in an interesting time for us. Middlesbrough tonight does feel like a gimme because I think you know the team they tend to rally a little bit, don't they? I don't know. Yeah. Are they are they, at the, are they low enough? Ebb yet mm. to go and get beaten by well, Middlesbrough side. Well, look, look well, gone. Well, you, a couple of months ago, for all of Middlesbrough's ills and woes, you would have said there's going to be a clean sheet because they were, you know, yeah. really strong defensively. But yeah. Agnew has tried to change formation to get them scoring, which is understandable because the lowest scorers in the Premier Division. But they're conceding goals now, yeah. so yeah, you do sense that Arsenal might might go there tonight and pick up a, bit, a really needed uh, needed win. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I think they've still got to play uh, Man United as well, haven't they? Oh, uh, right, OK, interesting. Well, I think, you know, if you, just one point, I think, to touch on from Saturday, isn't it, which I don't think we've spoken about, is uh, briefly, is Ross Barkley, isn't it? <laughs> Obviously, a difficult week. Yeah. <laughs> More ways than one. Um, got, a, got a goal or now it's being choked off, but I think we should reflect on Ross's performance and so sort of mindset on on Saturday, I thought was uh, was impressive and um, reflected well on him. To be honest with you, yeah, no, I, I fully agree. Gav, I thought in the second half, I thought he was. I, I think I think he took the game by the scruff of the neck in the sense that he was the one that was trying to dictate. And I think uh, I saw some stats knocking around that he had the most touches in the opposition half of any player on the pitch and the most touches in the opposition box of any player on the pitch. And I know stats are stats and stuff, but, you know, it's maybe illustrative of, of the fact that he was trying to take command in that second half um, and, and open open Burnley up and, and get Everton going. And we spoke about Valencia's introduction. I think I think Ross probably was helped by Valencia as well because it was, it was more options now. He wasn't just looking for Romelu. He, he had a couple of people running off him. and um, Yeah, and, and uh, as you say, I, I think that, that response in the second half was yeah. was, was encouraging for me. Yeah, I, I, d- I, mean, yeah. I don't know what, Greg, I don't know, we, we spoke at length last week about his contract and so on. Do you think the events of the last week and the support and what his reaction on Saturday to score, and do you think that, you know, we don't know what the mindset is around for, but with Ross at the moment about whether to sign or not. Do you think that is an influence or is it just a, a temporarily... Well, I was just going to say, yeah, I was just going to say, Gavin, as well, on that, um, I thought he played really well. I don't think it would take a body language expert to analyse the reactions of Everton's goal scorers. Let's 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 say Ross, who is in a contract 
let's say, a, a, not a standoff, someone took issue with my use of the word standoff. <laughs> uh, and I suppose, strictly speaking, in semantic terms, they're, they're correct. It's just a, a case of willy wonty, shall we say. Um, his reaction to scoring, as you rightly say, Gav, was not, for me, uh, illustrative of somebody who wants to leave Everton and go and play for Tottenham or wants to, you know, it, for me, it was somebody who feels very much part of the club. And also, it was very clear the cheer he got was loudest, comfortably the loudest cheer when the teams were read out. Ross will have heard that. Um, the banner in the Gladys Street was big and and, uh, mm. and, and uh, bold enough for everyone to see. You know his early touches were, were you know the fans were rallying round. No doubt when he's driving to the players' car park and the fans around there, he's getting a lot of positive comments and support on social media. If if he dares to uh, go into that arena, I think he was getting a lot of positivity and support from Evertonians. Um, Certainly from low, you know, from, from Evertonians anyway. Although perhaps not elsewhere, that's a separate issue, wasn't it? But um, he jumps into the Gladys Street. He, he virtually walks into the Gladys Street, sits down, and, and tucks into someone's hot dog. <laughs> For me, that's that's you know, I could be naive. It could have just been a heart on the sleeve moment. But then he gets as he gets booked, which is fair enough. I saw Clattenburg got a bit of stick, and no one likes Clattenburg, do they? As a blue, a blue persuasion, but. I suppose, strictly speaking, he had to book him because you can't leave the field to play and walk into the stand. Yeah, he's still he's still bad, um, beating the bad the badge mm. on his chest. Now contrast that with Rom, who scores these days and celebrates like um, an individual who's you know basically playing FIFA and is thinking about you know the, what it does for his hopes <laughs> of getting the golden boot. Uh, and in, in my eyes, certainly is thinking of Stamford Bridge or elsewhere next season whether he goes there or not we will see but I think Ross wants to stay Everton obviously there's a good contract offer there Phil we understand isn't there mm. you know there's a, certainly a, a will to make it happen so I just I just wonder why it's not signed still I don't know it puzzles me but it, yeah. I mean if you're just going off I mean, what, what do you think Gav do you think I'm is that right or uh, I don't know it's add to what we said last week you know you sometimes you don't know what's going on in the background but uh, I think it was reiterated again over the weekend you know that something needs to be done over the next uh, couple of couple of months um, I mean I perhaps wouldn't read too much into the celebrated celebration on Saturday because in heat of the moment stuff you can sort of okay. let, it, let it go yeah. but yeah. it's just the whole just the whole thing when I saw about not just the support on Saturday the whole stuff that was well publicised around stories in the press last week and the club's reaction to it and so on and so forth and the, and the, the supporters rallying around um, whether that but that whether that then plays into any any decision uh, it is an interesting one really uh, but uh, going back to what I said before uh, fair play to him I think he, I think he did well under what was probably trying circumstances on Saturday yeah, he could easily have gone missing, couldn't he? And yeah, absolutely. Let his, let his focus be affected. And pretty much from the first whistle, well, no one had a good first half, really, but I think he, he had a decent enough one by the standards of, a, like you say, a team that was getting a bit bullied by Burnley. And then when he improved in the second half, he was one of the best players for me again. So no, really positive, and, and hopefully now for him, he can settle down towards the uh, last stretch of the season and he can just continue doing what he has done for recent months and... Um, Playing some of the best football of his uh, career at Everton, certainly since that dip uh, towards the end of Martinez's reign. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I mean, 
it is going to be interesting to see where we go from here. Obviously, we'll all be keeping half an eye at Arsenal tonight and hoping for a Borough, uh, unlikely Borough win. But we'll uh, we'll get together towards the end of this week again. Uh, Easter's out the way now and uh, preview the West Ham match. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks, Gav, for being involved today. Uh, Phil, and um, yeah, keep on listening and thank you again.